It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into the Friday edition of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat, and we're talking all things Texas A&M as they prepare for their journey to go ahead and beat the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. Welcome to Friday's show. Friday's shows are going to be a little different here on LOA. Maybe it's a little bit different than what you heard in the past, but this is my style. This is the way that I've always thought would be really interesting and a little different to kind of make this podcast kind of fun. Fan Friday. I'm going to answer questions that I got on Twitter, got on social media from fans, from people wondering about this game, wondering about the plan moving forward. We're also going to do a preview day. This is going to be talking a little bit about the entire game as a whole, give my final score predictions, and also, because the SEC is still, in my personal opinion, the most dominant program, conference, my bad, in college football, we're going to break down every single game, go quick through, rapid fire, who we think is going to win, who we think is going to lose, and where the standings could start going after this. This week alone, I think, is really going to decide who are contenders and who are pretenders in the SEC when looking at that college football playoff picture. We have two top 25 matchups between Florida and LSU and Alabama versus Texas A&M. Two of those teams are for sure going down, and two of those teams are probably looking a little closer to that college football playoff mark. So, let's break down some Alabama versus Texas A&M preview time. First up, Texas A&M will win if they establish a run game. I think that's going to be the major factor for this game and for the rest of the season moving forward. When you lose out on Travion Williams, the SEC league-leading rusher last year, and your secondary guy, Jay Sean Corbin, is out with a hamstring injury since week two, that is definitely some type of production that is hard to replace. Not because of running the ball is no longer you know f- fancy or it's not needed in the game of football, but because of you're relying on a true freshman in Isaiah Spiller and a second-year player overall in Jacob Cabote, who missed all of last season to really pick up the pieces and be that league-leading rusher. We've seen glimpses of what Spiller can do, but those were against below-average defenses. And even when you're playing against average defenses at best, say a team like John Chavis out in Arkansas, he struggled this year to move the ball. That game, he had a fumble, and I believe on 17 carries... He didn't even get a single yard overall. Meanwhile, Kabodi's shown a little bit more of a, I guess, consistency. They're never really that great at numbers, but we're at least seeing him push the ball downfield. We're seeing him pick up first downs on a more consistent level, but everything is still kind of Kellen Mond leading the way. If this AM team can go ahead and actually get an established run game going, they're going to be dangerous. When you look at the receiving core that they have there, everyone talks about Alabama, but Texas A&M has three guys inside the top 25 in SEC receiving yards with Courtney Davis, Jamon Osmond, and Kendrick Rogers. And they also have a fourth guy in Ania Smith who's really transforming himself into a very solid contributor to the Aggie offense. If they can get a run game to come even close to matching that against this Alabama secondary, they could be a team that really could set up the upset. Now, how does Alabama win? And that's attacking AM's corners. 
A&M secondary to me has vastly impressed from what I've seen from last year. This team looks very different on the defense side of the ball. Their secondary is playing very well. They're playing awesome in man coverage. The way that they, they're not getting beat. They're not beating themselves. And the way they're overall presenting themselves using their physical style bodies as weapons to attack receivers has been, I think, the difference maker on defense because of the team isn't getting that big of a pass rush. So instead, they're using their cornerbacks and their safeties in coverage to really set that tone, make teams have to run it on third down and long. That way they're even coming close to getting plays. But if Alabama's four horsemen of the Abamalips, as I like to call them, can attack this secondary, that's all you got to know. Because the run game in Alabama is average at best. We've talked about this on other podcasts. Najee Harris, he's done a good job overall, but he's not the guy when you're looking at the schedule thinking, oh yeah, he's the one who's going to be able to come out and you know break away and be this big guy. He has one rushing touchdown. He has three receiving touchdowns, but one rushing touchdown. So the production of the former number one overall recruit in America just isn't there on the ground, but it's there through the air. So if this team is able to beat A&M's corners and A&M's secondary overall, that's going to be a long day out in Kyle Field because there's no chance that this Alabama team isn't coming in with a chip on their shoulder after giving up 31 points to Ole Miss. And there's no chance that this Alabama team is going to be easy or be less on A&M. This is turning into a rivalry game. And overall, if you're able to beat the cornerbacks with possibly the most productive aerial attack in college football right now, you're in pretty good hands. Player to watch for on Texas A&M. I'm going to go out and I'm going to say it's Kendrick Rogers. We've seen Kendrick Rogers make some plays here and there overall. We've seen him do some pretty nice things this season, but he's not the receiver everyone expected him to be when this whole year began. 17 receptions for 200 yards. He had a touchdown in the Southwest Classic that he dropped or it was overthrown, however you want to say it, between him and Kellen Mond. But that was his real first chance to step up. In the red zone, Alabama's defense has looked dominant overall. Most of their scores are coming in open field plays, not in the red zone. So that in mind, they're not going to be able to run it, and they're going to have to pass it. You have to go to your biggest receiver, and that's Rodgers in this sense. If they can go ahead and they can attack Rodgers, and they can get him open... And he can use his bigger frame, his bigger style to beat some of these Crimson Tide corners. That's points right there every single time. Last season, they scored on a 15-yard touchdown to Jay Sternberger. He was able just to bully the Alabama secondary, waltz his way into a touchdown on a post pattern. Rodgers has to be that guy this game. Player to watch for on Alabama. Guys, you already know what I'm going. I'm going receiver for this one, but I have to pick which receiver and I'm going to go with Henry Ruggs. The thing that Ruggs has that the other Alabama receivers don't is that pure speed, and it's the agility in the open field to make defenders miss at the first and second level to where it's a foot race down the line. He's turned these little quick passes into 50-yard gains. 
I mean, against Ole Miss and I believe against Southern Miss, both opening plays were Ruggs touchdowns on passes that were no further than maybe 9 or 10 yards. And he just used his blunt speed to work upfield. A&M's cornerbacks, Diabone Renfro and uh, Charles Oliver, are going to have to eliminate this guy. Because if you're going to match him up with Damani Richardson in the open field, that's going to be a massive, massive problem. Especially because if he one's a freshman, and I don't know if he's seen speed like this before. I think Henry Ruggs, as an NFL-level receiver, could be very limited. Kind of a John Ross-style guy, if anyone remembers him from Washington. Vertical, deep threat kind of dude. But his agility is going to make him one of the most dangerous players in college football for the remainder of the season. And he's definitely going to be the most dangerous player on the field for Alabama come Saturday afternoon. Locked on Aggies would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. Remember that promo code is KICKOFF and you can receive up to a $100 discount for your next sporting event. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to do Ask an Aggies, a new segment where I answer questions from AM fans on what to expect for this game and everything moving forward. We're also going to talk about when Alabama and Texas A&M have the ball, what they need to do to win. This is Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back into Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat. We're talking all things Texas A&M, Alabama, as we prepare for Saturday's matchup out in Caulfield. So, we said we were going to talk a little bit about what both teams need to do on offense. So, let's just start with Alabama. Alabama on offense needs to extend plays downfield. And they need to start fast. Here's what I mean by when they need to start fast. When AM is down, and we saw this last year in Brian Denny Stadium, Alabama was up 14 to 7. And after that, they just kept their foot on the gas and continued to roll, keep the ball moving, and they end up winning that game 45 to 23. We saw this season when AM starts off slow, it's harder for them to come back. We saw Auburn take a commanding lead against them in Kyle Field after a potential touchdown drive on the opening drive for AM. Auburn didn't take their foot off the gas. So that's what I think needs to happen for Alabama. They just need to run it up fast. And they then on defense need to just hold AM. Because if they can hold AM, the offense is going to be able to put up the work. There's going to be a couple touchdowns early on for Alabama. But if AM scores and matches them, that's where we could start seeing some trouble. But I do think that right now, this is the one way for sure that Alabama guarantees themselves a win is by consistently scoring against Mike Elko's defense. Because AM's offense could miss a few opportunities that puts them behind. And if they're behind, we know what happens. We've seen it happen multiple times. The way AM wins this game on offense. This is simple. It's start off fast. And that could mean in multiple ways. That could mean a 75-yard touchdown pass to Nia Smith on the team's opening drive. First play. If they score early, 
this could be a team that has that momentum that continues to go. Because in all three games that they nearly lost or did lose, they had slow starts. But you can also do that by just having protection to Mond. I mean, part of the problem has been that nobody's really brought up. The offensive line has looked average at best this season. Mond is consistently still under pressure, and he's moving too much in the pocket. Part of that's on him, but part of that's on the offensive line. So if he can get time to throw the ball and just run up the clock, give Alabama less time to score, maybe they become flustered with that. Maybe they don't, but if they do, that's a way A&M wins. It's all about starting off on the right note. And I think for them to start fast and score early is another way for them to win. Because both teams on defense have holes that I think can be exposed throughout the game. But if you expose them early, it might be too late by the time the other team figures out how to fix it. All right, now we're going to go into another segment, Asking Aggies. This is the part of the show, Friday Show Fan Friday, where you guys send in questions to me via Facebook, via Twitter, via social media in some capacity or on the website, and I will answer the ones I thought the best. First question comes in from Dave. Who do you think is the best Aggie freshman this season? This one's actually kind of tough because there's two guys who I definitely think have made massive contributions, but I'm going to go with Damani Richardson, the safety. I think when you look at what Ania Smith, who's the runner-up, has done, he's been phenomenal in a limited role, where Richardson, in my opinion, is already at that starting caliber and isn't going to give up that job until he either leaves for the NFL draft or another player comes in and takes it from him. But it's his job right now because he's earned it. He's third on the team in tackles. He's played pretty well in coverage. He's great against the run overall. And he's a physical freshman. There's a lot of freshmen out there who think they know and they think that they're ready to take on these top-level opponents. Well, Richardson's actually there already because we've seen him. Now, he needs to continue this process moving forward. But if he does, this is going to be the safety that several teams are going to be circling on offense every week saying, watch out for this guy against the run, tight ends, watch out for him in coverage. He is a playmaker. So I'm going to go with Devontae Richardson at this point. Next question comes in from Loretta. Kellen Mond has flashed potential at times, but also struggled. Where do you think his biggest flaws are? Pretty good question. Overall, I'm not that mad at what Kellen Mond's doing. The problem that has happened is, although he has good accuracy, it's his turnover margin. He's had six turnovers, and I believe three are in the red zone. Maybe it's four. I know there's for sure three. And the biggest one that really got to me was last, two weeks ago, when it was the Southwest Classic against Arkansas, and he was doing a check down to Jamon Osmond. He doesn't take his eyes off of Osmond the entire time. That's a major red flag because if you have to look at other options, and I know that you have trust with the guy, but if you're trying to score and you're at the 10-yard line or less, I believe they were at the 6, you can't just be checking down your first option and then forcing throws. When you do that, that becomes a problem that leads to turnovers, number one. Two, limited points. And number three, the pretty much the big one, it leads to losses. Kellen Mond can't continue to do those mistakes. He's looked good 
Again, he's flashed for sure. And I've been very impressed with him overall. But if you continue to make those mistakes, especially in the red zone, you're not going anywhere. And that's where I think his problem is. If he can limit the turnovers in the red zone and just limit the turnovers overall, definitely think that this Kellen Mond could be good. Because you look at his numbers, he's third in the SEC in total offense. And he's only, you know, he's only following LSU's Joe Burrow and Tua. So A&M's doing a lot of things right on offense. Run game not there definitely hurts, but if you limit those turnovers, those are definitely things that can be corrected, and those are things that could definitely play in your favor. Got time for two more. This one comes from Zach. If AM loses to Alabama, is their season over? Well, no, because they still have several more games to play. I mean, they still have nearly two months of football left, but I get where you're coming from. Yes, I think that if they lose this one, it's going to be hard to see Every other team in the SEC West dropped three games this season for AM to have to win out then to go to the SEC Championship. Say they would have beaten Auburn earlier in September. No, I don't think the season would be over because you could see maybe Alabama losing two games. Maybe. You could see LSU losing two games potentially, one being to AM. You could see Auburn losing two games as well. I mean, there's a way where if they finish 10 and 2, and they lose this week being their second loss, they still have a chance. But if they lose this week, they're not going to Atlanta. That's that's for dang sure. Final question for Ask and Aggies comes in from Judy. You've talked a lot about the Alabama wide receivers, but which AM wide receiver do you believe could have a successful career in the NFL? To me right now, it's Courtney Davis because he's so versatile. I think that when you look at what NFL teams want in guys like that, They're going to want guys who can play all across the field. And he reminds me of how Arizona uses Larry Fitzgerald. He's not limited in the slot. He'll play on the outside. He'll kind of sweep around. He can be used in multiple different formations. You can also probably run some jet sweeps, some reverses with him. He's just a very versatile guy. That's the guy who I think will transition best at the next level when given the opportunity. There's nothing against Kendrick Rogers or Jamon Osmond. I definitely think Ania Smith could, in a few years, if he continues this path, be the best on this team right now to go to the NFL. But Davis's versatility is what impresses me the most. So I'm going to go with him. When we come back from the final break, we will discuss all SEC games and we'll give you our prediction for Alabama versus Texas A&M. This is Locked on Aggies. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Final segment of Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat and let's go rapid fire predictions for the SEC in general. We have two top 25 matchups with LSU versus Florida and Alabama versus Texas A&M. We're going to save the best for last. So why don't we get started with some games that we could probably predict are going to come true and probably play in the favor of one team. Georgia will host South Carolina at 12 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. I've been very impressed with Ryan Hillenisky, but I also think that right now the defense of Georgia is slipping up. So I think this is going to be a lot closer than most people are thinking. I'm not going to be surprised if Hillenisky and that offense, especially with Edwards, Brian Edwards, their leading receiver, continues to impress against these top-level defenses, such as Alabama, such as potentially Georgia. But... The rushing attack of Georgia is dangerous. They have a four-headed monster up there. And Jake Fromm's done a very good job, and he's a smooth technician. 
I'm going to go Georgia gets the win, but it's a lot closer than people are projecting. Heading over to Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee. Tennessee Volunteers taking on Mississippi State. This is a Mississippi State team that I was very confused by. They're 3-2, and two, but they don't look that good. They are very, very average at best. I don't see them really moving forward, but the Tennessee team is bad. I mean, th- there's no way you can say anything others. When you lose to Georgia State and you have to go into overtime and still lose, that's just a bad year. Mississippi State gets the win, but I definitely am not going to be shocked if Tennessee's new quarterback, Maurer, is able to step up. He looked decent a majority of the game against Georgia, and when you can do that against Georgia, that's either saying Georgia's really bad or Tennessee's new quarterback could be at least something promising moving forward. Vanderbilt taking on UNLV. Hopefully, this is the game where Derek Mason at least picks up a win. If not, he could be fired after this one. Both teams come in at 1-4. and four. Riley Neal for the season has 998 passing yards. Uh, Keshawn Vaughn is leading the SEC in rushing. So overall, I definitely think that this is a game where Vandy can come in, get a clean win in front of their home crowd in Nashville. I'm going to go Vandy gets the win. Hopefully, it's not as close as people are projecting. Going down to Columbia, Missouri. Missouri Tigers taking on Ole Miss Rebels. And guys... This is a game changer, in my opinion. If you were to say that Matt Coral would be going up against a Kelly Bryant-less Missouri Tigers team, who's coming in at 4-1, and one, I wouldn't be shocked to say that Ole Miss gets the win. But Kelly Bryant is expected to play with a brace on his leg. If he plays, that is definitely going to take away the run game ability of his game, but he's still a pretty good passer. Missouri gets the win at home, they're going to move to 5-1, and one, and I think that if A&M loses this game and they're out of the top 25, Missouri might be the team that moves in. I'm not going to be shocked on that one. They've looked the part this season. Heading over to Lexington, Kentucky, the Wildcats will be taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks. This is an Arkansas team that two weeks ago, before their bye week, went down to the wire with Ben Hicks over Nick Starkle, who was injured in that game. With Texas A&M. But is this Kentucky team for real this year? I'm going to go Kentucky gets the win. But it's a lot, lot closer. This is coming down to like a field goal game. Kentucky has disappointed after being a 10-win team last year. And they really lost everyone on that team. So you knew that there was going to be some regression. But they haven't looked good under Mark Stoops right now. I definitely think that Chad Morris has the Razorbacks in the right direction. But... This will probably come down to literally a field goal, maybe a late touchdown. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. And I definitely think that right now, Kentucky should be favorite. Moving on to the last two games, we have Florida versus LSU inside of Tiger Stadium. Kyle Trask has come in and he's kept the Gators 5-0, 6-0, my bad, 6-0 perfect record. They're qualified and they're going bowling for sure the way they're playing. 900, 881 passing yards. LaMichael P. Ryan last week with that giant 88-yard touchdown run against Auburn. But this LSU offense, led by potential Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Joe Burrow, is very dangerous. And I think because of the home field advantage in Tiger Stadium, at night, 
which adds a different element to the game. Definitely, I'm going to go with LSU on this one. LSU's offense just looks too good. I'm not sure Trask is ready for this type of stage. and I definitely don't think he's ready for Tiger Stadium. So that is going to be the biggest problem. Which brings us to the main event. The reason you listen to this podcast and the reason you check this out. Alabama taking on Texas A&M. 2.30 kickoff Central Time, 3.30 Eastern Time. CBS Game of the Week. Game will be at Kyle Field. To me, what decides this game is going to be the run game and whose team is going to be better and more consistent on the ground. I think that A&M is going to be better than what we've seen in recent games, but that's also because Alabama lost a ton into the draft and injury to start the season. So that's why... I think they're going to be better. But I also think that Najee Harris is going to be able to have one or two big breakaway runs. And because of, you're going to put a guy like Damani Richardson on him in the secondary to make that play. He's going to win a couple of those. Overall, I like both teams. I think both teams' futures are great. I'm very impressed with what AM's future is going to be. But Alabama still has it. They still have their number. Close game. Very close game. I'm t- I'm taking the under. I would take AM with the plus 18. Easily I would take the AM with the plus 18. But Alabama wins the game. Sorry, AM fans. I know you don't like hearing that, especially with this being our first game together on Locked on Aggies, but it's really hard to go against the Crimson Tide and Tua in the way that offense is rolling right now. They're going to need more than just one big play. They're going to need like four or five big plays to probably win this game, especially if the run game isn't there. So Alabama gets the win, but AM still, I think, has a chance to finish 9-3 and on the year with this being their final loss of the season. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Colt Thompson. Also follow the website at si.com slash T-A-M-U to check out all of our great content, including the Locked on Aggies podcast. And you can always follow us on social media at Aggies SI. We'll be back next week and we'll be discussing all things heading up to Ole Miss and recapping the events of Saturday afternoon. We'll see you soon. And remember, gig them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.